Hey everyone, thanks for joining us for Let's Talk Recovery. My name's Aaron, this is Caleb. We're just grateful just to, to be with you all today. Um, before we get started, we've got a couple things. Remember, check us out on social media, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, um, all of those places. We would love for you just to connect and share um, with all of our online content. And then, as always, check us out um, on the full audio version, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple, Google, Spotify. Uh, be sure just to, to like, to leave great reviews. Um, of course, that's a, a great way just to... Um, to experience our content, to share our content. Um, some would say it's better than the video version because you're not burdened by, by looking at us. Um, I would say yeah, that. Yeah. So, um, I mean, if you're, if you're stuck I on the fully YouTube. fully endorse the yeah, audio-only version. Yeah, audio-only. Um, really, I mean, if all of our subscribers could kick over to that where I could show up less clothed to, to do this recording, I would appreciate it. So, um, Caleb wouldn't, no. but I would. <laughs> become a one-man show at that one point. Man, right. <laughs> um, yeah, I do want to encourage you. Um, I mean, check out Caleb's book, Pursuing Freedom. Um, you can get your copy today on Amazon for the low, low, low price of $10. Um, I don't think life-changing content has ever been so affordable. So uh, be sure to, to check that out as well. Um, and... Uh, Man, and then uh, check out, we started our charity. We talked about that last week, our 501c3, our, our men's home, Live Free. Um, we want to plug that. Check it out at notoriouslyfree.com. Um, and, you know, if you know of a, a, a male um, that's in need of of a, a healthy environment to live in, um, some, some mentoring, those types of things. That, that's who we're looking for, people that are ready um, to, to have serious life change. So um, we are excited about today. If you are watching on YouTube, shame on you, kick over to, to Apple, <laughs> yeah. Google, or Spotify. Why would but they be are, watching if we just yeah. trashed our YouTube? <laughs> 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 I already turned it off. Uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, if ahead. you are, you've, you've probably noticed um, this, uh, this uh, person sitting between Caleb and I, this person. Um, and so, you know, we are excited today to, to have my, my younger sister um, with us. And so we were actually talking offline before this got started. So um, today's a special occasion, right? I've been to me, but yeah, hey. It is the very first time she's ever done a podcast sober. That is special. <laughs> <laughs> that is special. That is special. Yeah. So she's like, I don't remember any of the other times I've been on a podcast, but I've been on it. So this is kind of like my first time. I don't know. You can vote in the comments today. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and your sister's name is? No, oh, I don't know. Amanda. No. I'm Amanda. There we go. Okay. Okay. So, um, this <laughs> is Amanda. Golly. This is going to go well. This is going to go well. Yeah, it is going to go well. This is what we get for having siblings on yeah, the show. Right. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, you've seen her around, and um, you've, she's been a part of the church just as long as me. And, um, you know, she's been a great support to me and, and my family over the years. And um, so I'm just excited for her just to be able to, to share her story um, with all of you. So we're going to be doing a little bit of that today, a little bit of interview. Um, I hope that you lean in. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be riveting, um, very much so. And so, but we're going to talk about the, the issues that, that she experienced growing up, um, and not the issues caused by me being her sibling. Um, she has, not. yeah, she has a whole nother, that's in a whole nother episode. Um, PTSD yeah. From yeah, we're going to talk about the, the main issue, the RBF. I mean, no, it's something <laughs> MK, MK, MRKH. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but before we get to that, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about about home life growing up, what you experienced, recall, um, you know, how, how life was before before all of this. I don't remember, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of my childhood, actually. So that it might, there might be trauma because there's a trauma response that your, your body does, your brain, whenever you experience trauma, and it blocks out a lot of the things that you go through. Honestly, I don't know what happened. I can't remember anything 
like prior to age 11 maybe but um I do remember following you around a lot. You were mean to me. I honestly. still am. Yes. Uh, made fun of me for no reason at all whatsoever. Still I was do. an angel. <laughs> um, I, do, I don't feel like I had any like middle child syndrome or whatever you call it. Because um, I'm kind of in the middle with you. We're 21 months apart, so we're the closest in age. And yeah, but I'm, I'm more special. I'm more middle. So. You're true. definitely more there's, special. Yes, there are two... <laughs> Two after you and two before you. So there's only a little brother. And I made him my uh, my best friend, dragged him around everywhere. Um, I was probably closest to him because he wasn't mean to me, unless you made him be mean to me. <laughs> well, he was too young to know better. So He gave him a bat from the drillers game. Remember those wooden mm-hmm, bats? Mm-hmm. Made him chase me. <laughs> That's what he did. And that was only part of it. So I We're not here to talk about that trauma. <laughs> I don't remember... <laughs> I don't remember like anything negative ever happening. I don't think I was unloved or unwanted. Um, I had my best friend across the street. We hung out all the time and I hated school. So I dropped out at 16. I don't remember a lot between then and 16, to be honest with you. No. I don't remember like traumatic experiences. I mean, there was a lot of you and me fighting. Cause again, 21 months apart, you're just gonna fight. And I was, I was pretty brutal. As I recall, you tried to stab me multiple times. I did do that. So <laughs> we now have that on record. I think there was a record. phone cord involved, too. Yeah, so. uh, yeah, we were pretty horrible to each other. I don't know how we ended up close today. but I don't know. I ended up alive today. <laughs> I was bigger than you. So, <laughs> um, so we, uh, we, did, we, we grew up just kind of an interesting dynamic, um, blended family, um, more on the, the poverty side than the middle class side from most of uh, our, our childhood. Um, and just kind of uh, parents that were, they were loving. I would, I would second that. Uh, they didn't like go out of their way to, to do anything um, negative, but I would say they probably didn't go out of their way <laughs> to do anything positive either. No, they either. were not encouraging at all. You know, school wasn't made important to them, education, stuff like that. And so that then they just had their kids and it wasn't important whenever they were raising their kids. It was, you know, you're going to be respectful, you're going to have morals and values, and you're going to work hard for whatever you get. You don't have things handed to you. Yeah. And that was what they preached most often is, you know, we're not going to allow you to freeload, but there are other things important with uh, parenting <laughs> your children. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, and so, Kayla, you have any questions about early No, childhood? I was just going to say, you know, because we were talking about beforehand, we all grew up in the same town. We were in different different neighborhoods, but I'm very familiar with the neighborhood you guys grew up with. But, but what Amanda was talking about there, that was very a prominent thought in our community because, I mean, our community was kind of just our, our town at the time. It's gotten a little bit better maybe. I don't know. Some. <laughs> I mean, but um, it's kind of just, you know, if you were to look at white trash – you know, Tucson, Oklahoma would fall underneath that, <laughs> oh, and that's for sure. and 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 that was kind of the, you know, you saw that a lot. I mean, it's even the neighborhood I grew up in, which again was, I mean, it was a trailer park, so obviously not not upper class, yeah. in any sense of the imagination. But kind of the idea of like, you know, hey, my grandma eventually <clears throat> had a double wide in that trailer park, Man. so <laughs> that was the must have been on the rich side, yeah. Of, <laughs> but um, she you got, know, she got one of the lots on the way in at that point. Oh, they yeah, moved yeah. her up to the front, yeah. So. <laughs> good face on the, the trailer park um, but you know that was kind of the community that we lived in is that you know parents were like yeah we love our kids but if you don't get you know you get educated you don't get educated nah 
yeah. I mean, that's kind of, I mean, that, that was because. And you kept us alive. You grew up, yeah, you grew up in, I mean, that town, a lot of people, I mean, with the, the mayor of the town for, um, I think he had, well, at least when I was a kid there, I think he had graduated, or not graduated, but he had, his education stopped at like the eighth grade. Yeah. I mean, he was the mayor for a number of years. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so I mean, that, that that was kind of definitely a part in how we all were raised in that, in, but it, especially you guys, that, that, that neighborhood, uh, even more rough than the one I grew up. So that, that definitely, you know, would impact oh, your, yeah. your childhood yeah. and, and your experiences as well. But, so, um, you know, and, and I know obviously your story because, you know, we share um, a lot of similarities being in the same family. So, you know, we grew up in this neighborhood. We moved away for a little bit. Um, you know, the uh, describe to me kind of the, the leaving, the, you know, well, I had one friend, and I had to leave her, and that was really hard, um, because I don't make friends easy. So really? Yeah, really, I don't. I, I, huh. I kind of try sometimes. It's the one thing I can empathize with. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't do anything on purpose to, you know, not have the friends, but I, I don't find a lot of people who understand me. You know, it's like you look at somebody with this face and you're like oh well, she's not friendly are you and talking about the rbf face yes that's right i have that too so <laughs> it's really difficult to navigate in yeah. life with yeah. that you know it's just my have you thought about days. botox like just like hey no, no. <laughs> the, my kids on a regular basis my sons more often than my daughter but my sons on a regular basis just around the house are, are you mad yeah. I mean, they just all constantly ask me that. i'm like no, yeah. no just, my stepson has taken like, 10 years this is the way i look it, so. yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking, you know, typically <laughs> as I'm thinking about something, like me thinking yeah, and me see, looking angry look the same. I'm thinking all the time. That's right. I'm a scholar. That's right. So, that's what intellectual people do. Yes. That's Aaron doesn't you. understand. No, he doesn't. Thank you. We understand. Yeah. yeah. So um, I think I was 11 when we moved, and I did not make friends at this new school. And that was two years there? Yeah, something like that. So it was two years of uh, you. Yeah. And uh, that was miserable. Yeah. <laughs> no, not really. I don't, it wasn't miserable, but I didn't, it I mean, it's pleasant. hard to be 11, 12 years old and not have any friends and to feel like you, you don't fit in. You're taken from the school you've always been to with this best friend across the street and you're just yanked out of that environment, out of that home, out of, you know, your safety net basically and thrown to, you know, this different atmosphere was a different school different rules different culture different very different culture. very different culture yeah um and so if you had to pick some words to kind of describe um how you felt in that season um or do you some things to describe that alone alone really um because mom worked all the time so she wasn't at home to to be what i needed her to be you had you're, you're off doing whatever you're doing and then you know, the two older siblings, they weren't really, I mean, he's six years older than me, and then she's eight years older than me. So there wasn't, there was no relationship right. there at that time. It just, it was impossible. So, yeah, I was alone. Um, we went from that almost poverty, because mom got her promotion, which is why we moved. So she was yeah. making a lot more money. So we go from this, you know, this culture of poverty-ish and everybody's kind of the same to now we're thrown into like kind of higher class and mm -hmm. like how do we fit in here who are these people right. they, they talk different they look different they dress different and i felt like i was in rags half the time dirty shoes dirty hair i did not brush my hair actually we were on the bus one day and he made fun of me because i didn't have my hair brushed no, no. and 
Did I sing the VeggieTales song? I don't remember. <laughs> Actually, might have. Where is my hairbrush? Yeah. We did watch that show a lot because my little brother. So. Yeah, that's. Lonely was probably that's like that was our our parents' version of church. It was Veggie Tales. Some yeah. Veggie Tales. Some well, for us, it was only there. for our younger brother. Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah, um, he went to church. Yeah. <laughs> it was better than what they see nowadays. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, um, so we have that season. You feel alone. You feel isolated. Um, and then we we come back after a couple of years. Um, how was that? Um, so at the time coming back, you were close to a teenager. Yes, thirteen-ish, uh, I think. So my best friend had actually moved in the time that we were gone, so she wasn't there. And I didn't have any friends for a long time. I started, I made friends with guys because I can relate to men better than I do women, um, emotionally, especially. That's always um, healthy for a young woman. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they were good to me. They, like We didn't get into any trouble. I didn't start getting into trouble. I never got into legal trouble, actually, until I was, how old was I? 20, no, no, no. We'll, we'll, get there. we'll get there. So, anyways, yeah, I mean, we went to parties, but I never got caught. So. I went. I was drinking at 14. Oh, that's the thing. When we came back, we lived where we lived was out of that neighborhood that we grew up in. Some are completely different. And I do remember at 14, um, I was going to tell on our older brother because he was outside drinking. And I was like, well, if you don't let me drink, I'm going to go tell on you. So then at 14, I'm beer balling. So, and, and they were like cheering me on because like, holy crap, you're 14, you can do this. Well, apparently. So, <laughs> anyways, that's where my um, drinking started, I guess you could say. But, and I still was drinking with my friends. You know, I had older friends going to parties and <clears throat> vodka was probably the number one drink, which thanks, Grandpa. And uh, that's, that kind of just headed me in the wrong direction coming back. All right, so coming back, um, you are um, kind of uh, dislodged mm-hmm. from <clears throat> what, you'd, what you'd known. Um, friend group had changed. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of outlook on life had changed. Um, how would you describe yourself mentally um, during that season? I don't, I didn't have a lot of thoughts. I don't, yeah. I don't. I well, looking like, back, you have to like, look back and label it. My brain work, though, was kind of, because it was such a cloudy, gray stormy i don't know like if i was going to describe it it would be like that like storm clouds just constantly rolling in my head yeah Yeah, because i i didn't have any direction i i didn't have plans i didn't have dreams i wasn't even thinking about school and i didn't try hard um i didn't have any anybody that was like hey you're doing something wrong yeah, we, I didn't have anybody to to guide me. To you mean Aaron wasn't a route. shining example for oh, you to no. follow. At that it's time, a... definitely not. <laughs> that was pretty healthy around then, <clears throat> if I recall. Or not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, how did that impact you? Because um, I, I would say at, at that season of life, um, I got a lot of attention. You did. Um, and so. Um, I'm sure that helped with the alone Yeah, feeling, I mean, right? I, don't, I don't think we've ever really talked about that specifically. We but haven't talked about a lot of things. Yeah, so how, you bring me on this podcast in front of uh, your 10 viewers. Starting yeah, to feel like, viewers. Starting to feel like Dr. Insult. Phil here. <laughs> Well, you kind of look like him. Thanks. Just maybe. Yeah. I don't uh, know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I sounded, she's insulted both of us. I think so. Mm-hmm. I maybe. Sorry. Um, I'm glad I tried to stop that. Uh, so how did you feel in that? Um, that was terrifying. Um trying to remember here so i had that little white dog you remember i hated that dog i know but there was a time when i came so close to just killing that dog i I may have tried 
Probably. Now we're gonna get hate mail. She, yeah, she was, <clears throat> she was like, I felt protected with her though because when you and Dad were going at it, and we had a hole size or a body size hole in our wall at one point because my dad just kind of like he was raging and threw him into the wall, mm-hmm. and I, I was so scared though, and I didn't know what was really going on, and so I just grabbed her and I was crying in the laundry room. Because I thought you were either going to die or were dying or going to jail. I had no idea. I'd never seen our dad that mad. And so that was scary. It also was the reason that I did not do drugs. I don't know how. I never did drugs. I drank way too much. But I didn't smoke pot. I didn't touch any of that other stuff. Um, I didn't let people push it on me either. And for some reason, though alcohol, it didn't register to me like, hey, Grandpa's an alcoholic, so maybe you shouldn't drink. It was just, everybody's doing it. It's not going to kill me, really. No. You know, I drank it until I just was, I blacked out. And that's when I stopped drinking for the night. And I thought that was okay because that's not what you were doing. That's not yeah. what you were getting in trouble for. So what you are getting in trouble for is what I was going to avoid. I was actually terrified to be in trouble. I was scared of the police. I was scared of our parents. Yeah, I was too. Clearly. Yeah, it worked well for you. Yeah. <laughs> Siblings can have a lot of value in that way. I have an older older brother that, you know, his, his high school now wasn't nearly, he wasn't the sterling example that yeah, Aaron was yeah. to me. But, you know, he caused a lot of, a lot of strife mm-hmm. in our home, especially through his high school years. Yeah. And so I'm just sitting there like, I just need to not do that. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, I mean, I did stuff, but it was just like, I just don't, just don't need to be stupid and get caught like he does. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it did help keep me like more focused on doing more of the right things. I'm like, man, this is what happens when you yeah. are yeah. stupid. Right. And, <clears throat> well, and because he was only a class ahead of me, I had people telling me that, you know, my brother's smoking pot, which, yeah. you know, nowadays people are like, oh, not a big deal. I mean, it is a big deal. Don't smoke pot. But Aaron <laughs> thought he was really smart and he made this cubby hole in his closet in yeah. the hollow places. And I heard him one night because our rooms backed up to each other. And I heard him like scratching around in there that nobody was doing. So one day he was gone, I was home and I went and found his weed stash. And then I told on him. And I would like to say that I was the, was it heroin? Is that how you would say that? The hero in the story? Oh yes. I, I was talking about the yeah, drug. I thought you were talking about heroin like, too. Like, no, it's English. There was no yes. heroin yes. in there. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, English the heroin. Language. Yes. That came later. So yes. that was kind of the beginning of, I guess him being watched more. And me not doing anything like that. So that was, it was lonely. It was even more lonely. Yeah. Um, and, I, you know, I'd say, you know, that that drove a, a bigger divide between the two of us. You know, obviously me, I didn't do anything that she was doing um, out of concern for me at the time as, as healthy, as loving, as protective. You know, I took it all negatively. Um, so, you know, that, that did, you know, drive a, a bigger wedge between our relationship and I, I have no doubt created more isolation um, there and so um, that was uh, obviously a really healthy season of life just for the family as a whole mm-hmm. and so for you um, young girl teenager um, you know approaching you know that stage of, of being a young woman um, through all of that um, how would you describe just the support system that you had around you wasn't a support system (laughs) there was not one it was not one I didn't do the things I shouldn't have done because I had you to show me not to do that it wasn't because I had a support system telling me not to 
and I could have I could have done anything in the world I wanted to do. I was kind of ignored at that point because yeah. you were the focus of you know what's going on in this family. Aaron's who knows? Like yeah. he's just. I was even the focus in the community. It was <laughs> it was terrible. Yeah. I mean, I could have I could have like died, and they probably wouldn't have noticed. Yeah, and it was yeah. bad. I mean, I remember at the time. Um, I mean, I had newspaper articles written. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, and it was it was a lot, and you know it's one of those things. You know, you look back now and be like, man, you're just talking about sucking the life out of a family. He was the reason we ended up with the drug dog at school. I'm pretty sure. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I graduated by then and moved on. Yeah, so yeah. This was I, past I, my time I impacted school serious. policy. Yeah. I, but so I, I'm a mover in a. I changer. had newspaper articles written about me, but that was because of like my family's, yeah. you know, involvement in the community yeah. and. <laughs> I remember. Aaron was involved in the community. Yeah, he, yeah. he was really good yeah. for. Yeah. Like I said, I mean, I got, a, I got a drug dog at this school. I'm, I'm a heroin. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was because of your heroin. Oh, was it? Uh, <laughs> uh, that's a little backwards there. Um, I've never used the word. Yeah, I've read it. <laughs> but uh, you used it correctly. Yes, we just took correct, it wrong. Yeah. I'm telling you, it's we, the we English talk about language. drugs on a lot. Yeah, so I mean, true. of course, that's where we're going to go. Is yeah. this a church podcast? Yeah, it is. Yeah, I know. Church ish. Yeah. Um, but you know, I it it was. I mean, it's uh, it's one of those things. I mean, I couldn't. I can't imagine. You know, I I had things that I dealt with obviously then, but um, to be so close in age to somebody who again is the focal point of of all the conversations, whether it was good or bad, um, in in all the attention and, and energy of the family, um, I imagine that that was just uh, isolation on a, a level that I can't understand. So. Um, so we, we go through this season of life um, and our family kind of experiences um, a couple turn of events that, that mm-hmm. cause us to, to come out to this community in Claremore. What did that look like? Okay, so I was 15. I was 15 when we moved out here. And I was actually 15 and a half probably because I was learning to drive at this point. Um, but... I was in, I ended up being transferred out here to this school. So yeah. I spent the majority of my life, you know, in one school. For the brief time we went to, you know, another community and then I came back to that school. So I was I was very angry at this point just Yeah. What was life. one of the big motivations for the family coming out here? Uh, it was mom's job, I believe, right? I think it was a combination of, of that and just Life, you know, yeah, like, well, kind of the, the bad yeah. name in the community we developed. I developed. Yeah, it was um, all on you. Yeah, <laughs> there was there was a couple different things, but uh, she did have a job offer, which is what moved us out here, yeah. um, where we did end up at. But transferring out here was, I didn't know anything about Claremore people, Claremore schools. I knew nothing about any of that stuff. So I. I just, I was mad. I was so livid and I decided I was gonna drop out the second I turned 16 and there was nothing they could do about it. Um, one of my friends though from the other school ended up out here and we, which is ironic because we stole gas from a gas station, which is ironic because it's the one my husband currently works at. <laughs> so, um, Have you paid them back? <laughs> so, yes. He is. Yeah. yeah. So. We would we would skip out on school um, when I got dropped off because I wasn't driving my own vehicle yet, and we would just leave the campus. She'd wait for me. We'd leave. We'd go uh, drive around all of our gas. And, what was her name? <laughs> and uh, 
we so the way that they didn't have like the prepay and all that stuff yet yeah and um we could we figured out where the cameras were so we angled in where they wouldn't catch the drivers the plate on the car and i don't we probably did that for a month straight we just until our parents found out like school's calling you're not at school mm-hmm. like you don't say yeah. no i wasn't what so <laughs> at that point i was like well what are you gonna do about it i don't want to go back I, I would have been like kicking and screaming i hated it so much i didn't make a single friend in that school well, you kind of had to be there. I know, but I was <laughs> yeah. miserable. Like the this first love. day, I was like, "No, this is horrible. I hated it." You want me to make friends? You got to be present. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, that does yeah. help. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so it was just so I dropped out. At uh, I've never made friends at Union schools. <laughs> really? Yeah, I've never oh, been there. Interesting. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Point taken. Um, so in this season, what was uh, substance abuse like for you? Not as bad as it got. So we. Every once in a while, we'd go out and drink. Um, I wasn't deep into depression at that point. I was just angry at the world. Yeah. And I felt left alone. Because um, I ended up having to get a job at 16 if I wanted a phone and a car and all that yeah. stuff. And you drop out. Yeah, and I mean, I dropped out, so I had to definitely get a job. That was a stipulation. If you're going to drop out of school, you're going to get a job. Okay. Yeah. Well, that, that was our parents' hard line. That's good. Yeah. 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 That's good. They have, they have standards. Yes. <laughs> yes, lots of You're going to be a dropout. At yeah. least yeah. get a job. So, and if my dad's listening to this, we, we love you. <laughs> Try to be too critical. We get it. You did. You did the best you could. I mean, hey, that is better than just dropping out and yeah, not. So yeah, and, and freeloading. Yeah, yeah, there was definitely no freeloading ever no. going to happen. Um, so yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't really deep in depression by this point. Um, I didn't know it was coming. So I was really just angry. I was mad. I didn't. I wasn't trying to numb anything. I was just trying to get away from what was causing the anger, and I, I wasn't sure what that was. Yeah. But I spent a lot of time, this was before they capped um, hours for 16-year-olds, so I spent a lot of time at work, probably like 50 hours a week. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. Um, and so this is also the season um, <clears throat> where kind of your, your biggest struggle began, right? This goes into that, yeah. 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 And so... Um, what, what did that look like? And, and what, what took place? Let's like, explain it, um, how the RBF, um, the, you know, the... I was born with that, sorry. <laughs> uh, no, um, and so many of you don't know, um, my, my sister actually has a, a medical condition, and, and I know what it is. I can never remember the actual acronym for it um, or whatever, but um, explain um, what it is that you have first, and then we'll kind of talk about how that impacted you. So I have MRKH. It's, I believe there was four doctors, Meyer, Roser, Kaiser, Hauser, Dansky or something. They're all German and Austrian. So anyways, they are the ones that discovered this birth defect. <coughs> and they, it's coined by their names because, you know, they discovered it. So it's a syndrome more so, but it's a congenital. I was born without a uterus, without a cervix. Um, have my ovaries. And so that one, that's always a funny one to tell about my ovaries. Yeah. Because whenever I was discovering all of this and I went into um, Oklahoma City is the bigger, you know, the specialist and mm. stuff. So I'm, I'm just almost 17. But they did all the scoping and all this stuff. But 
they told me that I had testicles instead of ovaries. Uh-huh. I was like, so yeah. we're not going to do a scope and like figure this out for sure. Yeah. And they weren't going I mean, to, they're just going to leave it at do that. Do another test, <laughs> please. Yeah. And this was before like all of my studies and understanding what science was. So, you know, at this age, I'm like, you know, it was kind of stupid. They, they should have known your, I had ovaries. You didn't use your elementary school education. Stuff. I did at that point. Yeah. yeah. I was just like, whatever. Yeah. No, I was 16. I'm like, I'm not going to go back home to my boyfriend and tell him that I have ovaries inside of me. It's not going to happen. You mean testicles? Yeah. I meant that's what I meant. Yeah. 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 yeah I wanted to tell him I had ovaries. That would have been an awkward so. conversation. <laughs> of course, if you, you know, if you would have been diagnosed with that today, you'd just change pronouns and everything would yeah, be fine. Everything yeah. would have been good. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway. So, yeah, that would have been, I don't know what that would have looked like. Yeah. So, okay, yeah. I'm, I'm 16. Um, I'm working full-time, more than full-time. I actually made friends at work with older people. One of them also shared the same type of facial expressions as me, so we got along <laughs> well. Um, we, oh, I also met my boyfriend there who was six years my senior, so that was cool. Um that was actually, it's one of those things as, a, as I'm 34 and looking back, if I ever heard that, you know, my niece had a, a boyfriend at 16 who's 22, I would be like, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Something's wrong here, like right. major wrong, right? But at that time, if I didn't have him, he was my support. Like he was the support that I needed. He was the only support that I had. My parents, um, so how this all started, let me backtrack a little bit. At 16, I should this have been going. Me forward. What? Oh, so at 16, typically, you know, a female's going to start the menstruation cycle, right? That didn't happen. There was concern because, you know, obviously something's wrong. Um, familially, I should have already started like probably a year before this. So we go to the doctor, um, the OBGYN, and she does her physical exam, finds out, she's like, well, something's not right anatomically. So she goes into what that looks like from her point of view and what this means for me. So at this point, at 16, almost 17, I'm being told, hey, um, you don't have a cervix. You don't have a uterus that I can see, and I can't see your ovaries. I'm not registering in my head, like, oh, I'll never have kids. That did, I mean, at 16, that's not crossing yeah. my mind. Mm-hmm. And I also wasn't too far into this relationship with my boyfriend at the time, so definitely wasn't thinking about it at this point. So I, I was kind of in shock, I guess, because I'm like, I don't know what this means. I don't know how to feel about this. My mother is, like, sobbing. The OB is sobbing. They're sobbing together, and I'm just like, can we go now? And eventually we make it into Oklahoma City with a specialist who do more exams. Um, they did a laparoscopy to take the camera inside and look around. So they discovered for sure there is no cervix. There is no... Uh, uterus and so you know I'm not going to go through changes as a typical 16 year old or a typical female teenager would that was difficult too because at this point though I'm already I didn't drop out of school because of this I dropped out of school because I hated life and I hated school yeah and I just didn't want to go and then like a couple weeks later is when I find out all of this out so I probably would have dropped out anyways because I was like I was embarrassed. It's embarrassing to be that age and you're not like everybody else. Right. And teenagers have a difficult time navigating life and feelings and emotions and, you know, what does this look like to be a teenager? And, I mean, I was working in a, a retail store in the cosmetics department 
which yeah. also I was in charge of like stocking the feminine hygiene stuff. So I have this dad come in one time asking me for help for his daughter who just started her menstrual cycle. And I'm like, I don't know anything about this. Let me go find somebody who can. Like, yeah. that's weird. <laughs> it's like you get, you know, these strange looks like, how old are you? Should, you know? And yeah. Nope. Can't help you there. Yeah. Um, and so what did this do to just kind of your state of mind in this season? Um, I started questioning my my worth as a female, my quality um, going forward, especially. Um, I get that. I mean, you could still make sandwiches, but you couldn't make babies, So Right, exactly. Yeah. Like, I could work all my, you know, in the kitchen oh really well, but, you know, I wasn't raising any kids. So I did, I was like. Those emails go to Aaron at cedarpoint.church. <laughs> so um, I... I started to just kind of wonder, again, we weren't raised in church, so there was, I didn't have any, anything biblically to fall back on as far as right. like, you know, right. I made this way. Your value is more than your uterus kind of thing. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that would so, make a great shirt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, good on that. Yeah. So I, I, that's when my depression started to kind of happen. And I, I started to kind of just go crazy. I mean, I couldn't keep my thoughts straight. I was... I felt, I felt like a lunatic, really, because every single day I was, you know, I have this boyfriend, and we were fine. I told him everything that was going on, and that was fine. Like, he didn't treat me different. He didn't, you know, yeah. judge me. He, he was never mean to me about it, never threw it in my face. None of that stuff ever happened. Um, so that's when I say, like, he was the only support that I had. Yeah. When our, how, how were our parents in this season? They were absent. Yeah. They were completely absent. Um... So, well, if I remember right, mom came alongside you pretty in a, in a real way. She handed you uh, some educational material. Um, can I say that? Like, what it was? Yeah, sure. Because I'll just, okay, it was adult magazines. Yeah. Oh. That, that, was, so, that was the response? Yeah. That yeah. Was, and and, how was that and, and, with and <laughs> yeah. at an adult toy yeah. for females. Mm. So her purpose in doing so was, again, anatomically speaking, um, I'm I'm not the same, so I'm gonna look at you because that's my brother over there. I'm talking sure. about my anatomy. Mm -hmm. So Caleb, we're gonna have a conversation. That's fine. Um, <laughs> I'm medical, so, so I, you know. I know. See, it makes me feel good. Yeah. So Anatomically speaking, without mm -hmm. a cervix and a uterus, mm -hmm. not the same, right? right? So she gave me this material, thinking, "Hey, you can look through this and see how you're not different." Oh, okay. But without a cervix and a uterus, what's not different is the inside, right? right? right. So you know, going into that and. So I thought I was super uncomfortable though. Yeah. Oh, and I got I got chocolates too though, so that yeah. was that was yeah. okay. Chocolates, chocolates in adult magazines. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I was I just was like I maybe didn't know mom what thought to you had testicles because that would make a thirteen year old boy <laughs> really happy. Say, I'm, I'm trying my best not to make any jokes. Because <laughs> this is a church podcast, right? Yeah. But, so, uh, yeah, so that's what I received. That was my but we're real, therapy. We're raw. We're relational. That is true. Yeah. So maybe we're a little yeah. too real and raw sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. But Some, I somebody tagged it. that last week, and I it's forgot. Good. We're going to steal that. I meant to have that on the notes. It's a good tag on yeah. there. But anywho. Okay. So um, I didn't receive any counseling, um, no therapy at all whatsoever. My support was my boyfriend. Yeah. And um, my dad, especially, like had no idea. He doesn't know, you know. Well, I mean, I can like, imagine. As a dad, what do you a, do? Yeah, exactly. If, if you're a normal functioning teenage girl, well, your story about that guy coming in to get something for his daughter, I was like, right. well, there's your first mistake. Why'd you send the guy? Like, yeah. you know, <laughs> I don't even, you know. Yeah, but, so it was just, it was really awkward, you know, having to 
like trying to navigate this because then I'm like, okay, I'm worthless. I have no value. I will never be a mother. I'll never make a man happy in a marriage because typically, you know, growing up, like that's what I was taught. Men want their women to have their children and work in the kitchens. I mean, that's what you do. That's yeah. That's how I was raised. That's, you know, a male has their role and a female has their role. And I wasn't going to be able to fill, fulfill most of that role. So it was really difficult. Right. And then, you know, I mean, this speaks to kind of, you know, we've talked about it in our, you know, in other episodes culturally where we're at today, where, you know, this, this whole, what is a woman, what is a man mm-hmm. thing. And we, you know, some of it is like, well, what's the big deal? It doesn't matter. It's not hurting you. And it's like, well, you know, I think part of that is, you know, so much of it, we just take you know, who we are is, you know, well, you know, I've, I've got this anatomy, I'm a man. And I'm, there's so much more to it than just that, that it, it, and then to have that as, especially as a teenager where you're, where you are coming into the fullness of either manhood or womanhood. And then to be told, well, you don't have, you know, these things that are essential. And, and it's like, right. Yeah. And, and, you know, and it's just something you've grown up taking for granted that mm-hmm. this is who you are and this is right. you know it's, and that's because it is such an important part of who we are mm-hmm. is you know because our biology our biology does matter you don't get to right. just change that stuff at, at a whim because you feel different or you want to be accepted or whatever and you know being a man and being a woman does come with you know how we view the world and how we you know what what we value right and and you know I mean, we don't have to pigeonhole, you know, people into making sandwiches, Aaron, or, uh, <laughs> you know, um, that kind of thing. I mean, you obviously, uh, you know, a woman's role is, is a lot more expansive than it used to be, I mean, sure. today's. But yeah. still, there's still those inherent desires to be a mother yeah. and yeah. To, so to do that. And then just be told, yeah, that's, that's out the window. So right. that there goes your, you know, a lot of who you were as a person that you didn't even realize. You, you mean, like I said, we just kind of take that for granted. Yeah, most time. Um, And so you you keep moving down this path, um, and this led to your first marriage. Yes, Um, because that was going to make it all better. Going to make it all better. Uh, Yeah, marriage always makes everything better. Yeah, doesn't complicate things. Um, Just (laughs) (laughs) solves problems all the time. When I met him, um, he already had a three-month-old and was going through a separation. So then we started dating. fall in love with this little girl. Perfect time to get in a relationship. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. definitely. Yeah. So, um, I, I love her, you know, and it kind of takes my mind off the fact that I am who I am and I can't have a child because one, he's definitely not thinking about it at this point. That's not even a, a conversation we're having. Um, he's already, he has a three month old and you know, we're just taking care of her, loving her. Eventually I move myself into his apartment. Um, by this time, I believe she is close to a year old, and I'm on my way to uh, probably 18 years old at this point, but I was trying to hold it all together um, publicly for anybody who was ever around me. I, mm-hmm. I didn't. I was withdrawing. I wasn't crying. <clears throat> I wasn't getting emotional. I wasn't um, feeling my feelings. And I wasn't, I, did, I still didn't have my parents in the way that I needed to have my parents. Um, the thing my mom did, that was all she ever did. And then a lot of focus again fell on Aaron. And then our younger brother um, needed them as well. So, you know, he's going through changes because we are five years apart. So, you know, he's coming into his teenagers mm. too. And so I'm, I'm really just kind of left 
alone to try to navigate all of this on my own. And he was the only thing, like that's what I had my connection to. My, I felt like my sanity was connected to him somehow. Like it was just rooted in my relationship with him because he was there from the very beginning. And uh, so. I have a really fun memory of him. I bet, I know, I know yeah. you do. It's one yeah. of my fondest memories of life. You <laughs> loved him so much. Yeah, um, I actually inadvertently shot him. <laughs> so, this uh, this man was in law enforcement. Um, he was a sheriff. A uh, sheriff's deputy. Sheriff's deputy. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he knew I had a drug problem, right? Yes. Yeah. So just to speak of this man's intelligence, he, he knew that I had a severe drug problem, and he comes up to our, our parents' house, which I'm living at the time, um, and he'd gotten these new um, grips on his 1911, so which is a 45, you know, caliber handgun for those that don't know, and. This thing is cocked and locked. That means hammer's back, it's chambered, it's loaded. And he hands me this loaded weapon to check out and to show off his new Punisher grips. And I am stoned out of my freaking mind, like higher than high. And so that's what you know any law enforcement officer should do is hand a drug addict a loaded weapon. Um, and so I discharged this thing, trying to decock it into my parents' tile floor. Um, which ricocheted bullet fragments and tile up into his leg as he <laughs> ran across my parents' living room and leapt mm. behind a couch. To my parents, to my family's credit, everyone else was like cool as a cucumber, <laughs> just kind of like staring at me like, what is wrong with you? Like nobody else even really jumped. And this, this cop... He was, he was jumpy. <laughs> <laughs> Dives for his life. Shot, right? <laughs> but uh, so I, I love I love to tell the story that you know I, I once shot a cop. So I love law enforcement, but I didn't I didn't love this guy. So I was going to shoot anybody. He was law enforcement. No, um, no. T- he was twenty two at the time. So I know yeah. we all remember twenty two. We were all dumb. Yeah. Um, Not that dumb. He, his parental <laughs> low probably wasn't even fully developed at this point. Are we so. talking about Aaron here? Or well, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Both. Okay. <laughs> so. Yeah, um, so whenever his his previous relationship has come to an end, everything's closed up on that, um, we start getting deeper into our relationship. So then that's when I start thinking, okay, I'm 18 years old, I'm not going to college, um, I'm in retail, I'm in retail management at this point because I worked my way up. And so we start talking about, you know, what does marriage look like? What does having kids look like? He still, at this point, never once um, berated me. He was never uh, judgmental about the fact that I cannot have kids. It, it never even came up in conversation like, hey, when we get married, you're going to, you know, what are we going to do? Just mm-hmm. never a conversation. He didn't care. I cared. I started to lose my mind probably at this point. Um, like, sanity really was gone. And it was, I, at this age, it was it's prevalent that I needed psychology. Like I needed yeah. counseling, I needed all of the help because I didn't get it. I didn't have guidance. I didn't have God to fall back on. There, there was no relationship with anybody in my life that helped me stay grounded. And so, I start to get very angry again. Um, I start drinking again. I start because um, I really wasn't drinking with him. I mean, we. We would have beer every couple, you know, yeah. times a month, maybe if we went out to the the land to to hunt and whatever. But um, I started to to drink more. I started getting upset and angry, um, starting fights with him. I would throw stuff. I would yell. I would scream. Um, I put it in my head that he didn't love me, that he didn't want me, that you know, I'm a problem. Yeah. And this isn't ever going to work because. 
I'm built the way that I'm built. I can't give you any more kids. How am I going to be the wife that, you know, you need or deserve or that I'm told I'm supposed to be? And um, somehow we made it to, to me being 19. Like we, we somehow made it a whole nother year. So I got married to him at 19. It lasted for nine months. And within this time, um, I told him that I was pregnant. So I made up this story. Um, he really isn't very intelligent. Is he? No, because no, he, was, he was there with me at the doctor. Like he knew. He was told all of the same information I was told. No uterus means no babies. Yeah. Um, you can't get around that. Not possible unless you're Again, um, it's just happened today, though. No. Where men can get pregnant, then you're like, yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I, like, I stuck my stomach out, like, as far as I could. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm pregnant. Like, this legit happened. I say that after I eat a big meal. Yeah, yeah. You know? yeah I was like a food baby. <laughs> so you're, thing, like, right? the pillar of mental stability. At this point, I was. Right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, nope. Um... <laughs> I told him I was pregnant. I swore to him I took pregnancy test, and I was like, "Oh, the doctors are wrong," and I'm swearing that I'm that this is going to happen. And um, he even calls his mom at this point to let her know what I'm saying, how I'm acting, and he's like, "I don't know. It looks legit. It sounds legit." And his mom, of course, is like, "No." <laughs> you were one of those. You were one of those women. I was. Yeah, I was. But I already, like, I already had run, him married, though. Run. Yeah. So it's not a carnival. Well, except no. yeah, except for the fact that again, this guy, good lord, yeah. did he hit his head when he jumped over that couch? Yeah, because possibly. You um, be. Lead poisoning from the bullet fragment yeah. in his leg. I guess I was a really good liar. I don't know. I was quite convincing. This guy skipped out on uh, yeah. sex ed. And Granted, high school, didn't he, he did take me. Yeah, he did take me to uh, my mom's location of work. I don't remember where it was at the time. Told her everything that was going on. She calls the doctor, and the doctor said to have me take the pregnancy test in front of her. I got livid. I was mad. I was like, you don't believe me. Yeah. You know, you think I'm a liar. How could all you this not stuff. believe me? Yeah. So then I like stormed out on my mom yeah. and I still never received counseling. I still never received yeah. any sort of therapy. Yeah. So yeah. if there was any time for me to have it, right. it was then. Yeah. So, um, yeah, nine months later, he and I ended up divorced because I was mean. Um, I know. Still I know. Liar. They say marriage is, I don't know, <laughs> marriage is 50-50, but at this point, like, it was all me. I was, I was really losing it. I was, I was losing any sort of grasp on reality at this point. I was trying to, like, I read these books about manifestation. They were not biblically based. They were just, like, mm -hmm. how do we make things happen in our life? If you speak it enough, it's going to come to existence. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's Caleb's favorite theology. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. We've been accused of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was trying to manifest this. Actually, and I, I, I went back to the story of, you know, the Virgin Mary and how the Holy Spirit came into her. And, of course, again, no biblical like training, no sure. no Christian background, not understanding the Holy Spirit, Virgin Mary, none of that was mm -hmm. like resonating. I was just thinking, oh, I can be the next Mary. So thought highly of yourself. I, right? did. <laughs> I did. I was like, if I speak it out into existence, it's gonna. Not only happen. am I pregnant, but this is Jesus. <laughs> I'm having the second Messiah. That's right. So aren't you um, lucky? Yeah, training in the church is quite important. Yeah. Um, so anyways, discipleship people yeah, we talk like, about it all the time yes, discipleship yeah so I you know it, it never happened and I yeah. thought God hates me I am a mistake I, I was that you know messed up piece of you know garbage that got its way through on the production line somehow and he should have yanked me out of here a long time ago mm -hmm. and he didn't and that was just Failed the quality control 
Yeah, exactly. That's what I felt like for the majority of my life. And um, so after he and I ended up divorcing, because like I said, I was just mean. I was horribly, horribly mean to him. Um, he deserved it. My, I met him. Sometimes <laughs> and shot him. Yeah. So um, the just, best friend I had in the the neighborhood we, we grew up in, she was also single at this time. And somehow we ended up getting into bars. Never had a fake ID. They just let us in. Yeah. So we were we were partying together yeah. every well, single week. If weekend. you look trashy enough, they just open the door. I was saying, are you still, still in Katusa? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, about 30 miles north. The Hall of Shame. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, it doesn't get any better mm-hmm. the further north or nope. east you go nope. from where we grew up. Nope. <laughs> So yeah, we were we were drinking literally every single night. Um, mm. Our sister was not in a, in a great place either, so she moved into the apartment I was sharing with him. Um, at some point in all of this, uh, we were going out to Fifty Cent Beer Night. Oh, I was 21 when her and I were living together. So I never stopped drinking. Like it started again pretty heavy at 19, um, kept on going. I met up with some old high it school buddies. It is a family buddies. pastime. Yeah. Some old high school buddies, bonfires, drink, then mm. till I blacked out. You know it's you know you're at a healthy place when you're hanging out from people from high school. Oh, oh yeah. 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 Well, after that's high it. school's over, yeah. yes. That's how you know you've made it. <clears throat> Especially yeah. in the same place that you grew up in one high school. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, we did high school parties at his house, so nice. it was good times. Yeah. Um, police didn't come out there, so you know, it was nah. safe. Yeah. Um so yeah, that's uh that's what happened from nineteen to twenty three. Because, yeah, so 19 to 23, I was pretty much blackout drunk. Um, four to five days a week. Yeah. I was depressed. Week. I was lonely. Do it the whole seven? No, I had to yeah. eventually get up and go to work. Yeah. Sometimes I blacked out and I didn't have a choice but to sleep. So there was that too. I, um, let's see, we did, there was like girls night. So you know that 50 cent girls night? Talked guys into putting our, our drinks on their tab and giving us their name. That was really stupid. So then we just keep putting drinks on their name and yeah. never had to pay for anything. So that it just, this like society made it know? so easy. I know. <laughs> so and it's around this time, around 23, that things took a, a good turn, right? Close to, I got um, my timeline right? Yeah, close to it. Um, Unless you want to talk about what happened between 19 and 23, because that's it was pretty detrimental. Which thing was that? I don't remember. Oh, that was well. It was just a piece of that um, time frame where I was drinking really, really heavy, and uh, I think it's important for anybody who might be in my position to hear this. I would drink until I blacked out, and I would wake up in beds of random strangers, like didn't know who they were, didn't know how I got there, didn't know where my truck was, and. Um, I did that thinking I'm walking into this bar. Any guy who hits on me, that puts value on who I am as a woman. They find me attractive. They want to take me home. That must mean something about me as a woman. That, you know, they're seeing me as a female prospect for them. So I put value in that for years, thinking no. that's that's what made me the woman that I'm supposed to be. And still at this point, I did not have um, church or God or anybody really, except for the people that were drinking with me. So um, there was a point where, you know, I was like, I don't care if I live, if I die. I mean, I I was drinking because I was depressed. Uh, Life to me had no value, no meaning. There wasn't anybody really important in in my life at this time. Every sibling had gone like their own different way, um, except for the one that was drinking with me. But she eventually... Which was not me. 
Yeah. No, no, never. We never drank together. Well, yeah, we did, but that was a long time ago. So, uh, no, she and I, uh, we got into into a lot of trouble, I guess. That was also with her that I ended up in jail overnight um, for assault. Mm. I didn't assault really anybody. It started, she started it, not me. But Didn't then, you bounce her face off the pavement? I, I, again, she started it. Yeah, I mean, she's like, I didn't really do anything. Like, you, you beat somebody's face off of, the, hey, off of the parking lot. Don't start something you can't finish, you know? Right? Listen. If you're not yeah. willing to go all the way to bounce right. somebody's face off, yeah. don't start a fight. Yeah. That's <laughs> had to be committed. So, hey, fight so to win. For, yeah. yeah. That's the way I do it. And for a long time, I was like, that's my value. If they want to take me home, there's value in that because right. I'm not the messed up woman that I, you know, I always thought that I was. So then it was, yeah, I was probably 23 when things took a good turn. So how did everything change? I mean, because you're, you're, not, you're not in that place anymore, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you're um, in a, a better place spiritually, mentally, um, and probably in, in every aspect of, of health, um, I would say that you know you you love life now when you, oh, yeah. you didn't you know mm-hmm. you have you have joy, and so how did, how did you get here? So it was when I was when I was twenty three. Um, there was well, I was actually twenty two. I think I met this guy. We got engaged, and then he was like full blown loser. He knew everything about me too, and he actually did throw it in my face. No. So anytime we got into a fight, he threw that in my face, like. I'm a part of a woman. I'm a piece of a woman, or I'm not a like he would throw a little guy. I looked for that guy to shoot him one yeah. time. <laughs> so intentionally, he, he and I met um, while we were both drunk. We carried on a relationship pretty much drunk, and so then I started to get sober and decided, you know what, I don't want this for my life, and realized what a loser he was because he was doing drugs, you know. And I'm like, I don't want that. I no. don't want this. I don't want him. I don't want any of that. And I had a conversation with Grandma one time. Um, and I just opened up to her, and I was probably 23 at this point. Told her everything that was going on in life. She could not stand that guy either, by the way. She was like, oh, I'm so glad you're done with him. Yeah. So um, You know, there's always somebody in our lives, and we, we've talked about this before when we talk about relationships. There's always that one person in your life that is actually wise enough to mm-hmm. see those kinds of people. Yeah. Yeah. And if more people would tune in to whoever that person <laughs> is in their life, and, and, and just have. run those, yeah. but nobody ever does. No. It's no. not just you. No. And she was so disappointed when I called <clears throat> and I was like, hey, we're engaged. And she's like, oh, you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're like, hmm. and, yeah. yeah, that's how you know mm-hmm. it's that person. They're mm-hmm. like, hmm. Yeah, so um, I was just talking to her one day because I was like, I am so done with being depressed. I was never going to take my own life. Like I, that thought never crossed my mind, but I also didn't try to prevent <laughs> death coming to me. Like it, yeah. I, I wasn't taking preventative measures to be safe and healthy or anything. And I was just telling her about, you know, the thoughts and the things that, you know, I was going through and she prayed for me and, you know, she, she'd never heard this stuff before. I never opened up with anybody about, you know, how I was feeling about my view of myself. And she told me, you know, about the value of my life, about, you know, God's purpose. And that as long as I'm breathing, as long as there's breath in my lungs, there's a purpose in my life. So, um... You know, I took her words to heart, and it really meant something to me that I felt like somebody actually cared about me, and it wasn't a man randomly found in a bar. It was my grandmother who was, you know, said all the right things in this moment that I needed her to say them, 
So I decided to start making changes. I was still drinking because I liked that numbing feeling of, you know, if I'm drinking, I'm not thinking about the, the problems they have. I'm not thinking about the ways I fail in life. And so, um, but I, I stopped drinking for the most part. When I was about 23, I went over to a Christmas party a friend was having and I was helping her set up for it. And my future husband walked in the door who I'd known because he lived across the street from us when I was four. I moved into this house. We were four. You were six, probably. Um, he's eight years older than me, so. <laughs> Likes those older men. <laughs> yeah. But I was uh, very well uh, an adult at this point. Um, so anyways, he walked in. We got to talking. Um, it was just, I really believe it was a God thing at this point. And I didn't even know that it was a God thing. I didn't know God at this point, really. I was working into all of that. So the moment he walked in that door into that house, because he knew her um, because of his son, they share a son. That's a whole nother podcast story. Um, so he was dropping his kid off and then he saw me and he's like, oh, I'm going to stay. So he just, he stayed and it was, it just got better from that point. You know, he's a fantastic person. Um, inside and out he doesn't have a drug abuse problem didn't have alcohol abuse problem um is the most precious soul that i've probably ever met in my entire life um so a man saved you no i said it was the god thing <laughs> but he he i wanted to be with him and in order to be with him i have to get my life together yeah so um we lived like sinners for a little bit until we got married in 2014 um, so you started coming to Cedar Point and then I, I think you were probably still getting drunk at this point, but you oh, still yeah. invited us. Oh, so yeah. we started coming. <laughs> he grew up Catholic. He was a little apprehensive about it. So, um, was it 10, 11 years ago? Now we are here and yeah, yeah, 10, I've been here 11. So, so probably 10, 10 and a half years that we've been here. And that's when things started to change for me. Um, a man did not save me, but I do believe that God sent this man into my life. Yeah. Um, because I never even... I know that you know that. I just wanted to be clarified so that oh, okay, in case okay. anybody's listening, they're like, I need to find me a man like that to get my life right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, definitely not. So um, anyways, I started coming to church. Um, was still drinking a little bit craft beer type stuff um again he never had a problem with any of that stuff he doesn't even like the feeling of intoxication i thought you so, said he was catholic though yeah he was a very good one <laughs> not not practicing <laughs> no he wasn't he was not practicing at this point um it was just weird you know coming from that background to this it's very different oh yeah so very. he was apprehensive but you know he's like whatever you want to do it's fine so we did that we came to church um i ended up getting saved um a year or two into coming to church. I don't know. I was still getting drunk. I know. <laughs> sad. <laughs> so I start, you know, I I start reading the Bible, start coming to church, um, being fed the word just every Sunday that I was here. Um, it wasn't, it was touch and go for a little bit. There was an Easter Sunday I was hammered, like from the night before. Yeah, it happens. 
So, yeah, I mean, who doesn't I drink mean, before I Easter? Was, <laughs> <laughs> hey, I was falling asleep in church. You're not going to sit over there that's and judge our the, family. That's where the Easter bunny came from. Some dude had to be hammered and be like, "Have you seen those There's this bunny that <laughs> delivers eggs." Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, that's definitely that was alcohol and shrimps. Yes, <laughs> probably more shrimps. Where that came from? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So <laughs> anyway, um, I. I was still struggling though. Um, we got married in 2014. I was still struggling. And again, it was me. It was my view of myself that needed to be changed. It was my view of who God made me to be that had to be changed before I was going to heal, before I was going to get better, before I was even going to have a good marriage. So I um, started our marriage pretty good. Um, we had some, so it was rocky, but that wasn't our marriage part. So, but the stuff we went through, on top of how I was feeling about myself, caused a lot of issues in our marriage because I didn't handle it well. And, you know, the outside stuff was very difficult um, to navigate. That was new for both of us. Um, Eventually that came to an end a couple years later and that, you know, helped alleviate some of that stress. But I was still struggling with, okay, now I'm married. What are his expectations of me Um, as a wife? How am I going to, you know, give him what I'm supposed to give him as a woman? So I'm, I'm reverting back to all of the, this, these same thoughts because I'm not drinking. I'm not getting hammered, you know, multiple times a week. Now I have to think about this. Now I have to deal with this. I have to face these feelings, these thoughts, these emotions that I have been, you know, blocking out for years now. And I was, I was crying every single night and trying to hide it from him because they didn't want him to, to see me that way. My husband's a very uh, empathetic person and any emotion that I feel, he feels it too. And that was something else we had to navigate because when you are expressing your feelings and emotions to an empathetic person and they're meeting you with those same emotions and feelings, you're not getting anything done. Like you're not gonna go anywhere with conversation, with help, with, you know, it wasn't beneficial. So I would just try to keep that locked up, keep it to myself. Um, I still struggled with who I was, what my worth is. Um, I didn't have a problem sharing my story at this point. Before I could even talk about it, I was just ball. Yeah. Um, but then I got so hard-hearted over it and jaded that I was, I didn't feel it like I needed to feel it. So um, eventually, you know, I more church, more reading, more... More communication with him. Communication was definitely um, the biggest factor of making all of this work out. And so between communicating with him about, hey, this is how I'm feeling, this is what my problems are, and going to church and you know talking to pastor and um, trying to navigate all of this and him reassuring me over and over and over that you know your worth is not found in the fact that you can or can't give me children. Yeah. My marriage to you is not built on the fact that you could or couldn't give me children. And that was just, that was big for me to hear that, to have somebody that was so okay with who I am, still saw me as a woman of worth, still saw me as a woman of God, still saw me as somebody to spend his life with and, and build it on, you know, who are we supposed to be together? Where are we going together? Who we, we have our separate, you know, lives, you know, apart from each other, we have different meanings, different purposes, different um, gifts that we use separately, but they come together at the same time and we support each other in that and that's just made a big difference in, in who I am today. So you said um you would say today um your life is 
it's really rooted in in God's word, absolutely, um, and the identity that He's given you yes. and value He's placed on your life, right? And so, in all of that, um, how would you describe life today? Um, it's easier because I just you know you surrender all of those negative feelings. You stop believing lies of the enemy because that's what it was. You know, whenever you have those negative thoughts about yourself and you you're telling yourself that you're not worthy, that's Satan. He's in your head. He's putting lies there, and I had to just stop listening to that. Um, and it got harder actually. Whenever the whole um, transgender me too all that stuff started mm. you know, like being a big thing and i'm like okay so a transgender is a as a man who's decided to be a woman who doesn't have a uterus and who doesn't have a cervix so then i'm like what is my identity now like yeah. what is society going to look at me and think yeah. are they going to think that i'm a man yeah. am i are they going to think that i'm i'm not really a woman so then i'm like starting to have these bad thoughts again and um you know, I just, I had to put a little bit of science in there. Scientifically, I had ovaries create my hormones. Yeah. I'm a woman because I have ovaries and that's where my hormones come from. That's what's created the feminine qualities that I do have. Um, and then I was like, you know, silver lining, I don't have to spend hundreds of dollars on venom products. There you go. I don't have to. <laughs> the old pink tax, huh? Yeah, I don't, I don't have to, you know, worry about every single month, you know, when's it coming? What's it going to be like? Am I going to, you know be nutty whatever so i you know i had to start looking at the positives of who i am and who god's created me to be um and just take the gifts that he's given me and actually start using them and putting myself out there and just being okay with that no well we, you know and that, that that speaks to and we've talked about before it's um especially like people that are in addiction or we've dealt with in recovery is that so many times people who are in an unhealthy place they put so much of who they are into one piece of their identity mm -hmm. you know and it's like we're so much more than any one thing i mean even even something as um impactful as our, our as our gender which obviously you know i mean determines a lot of our you know our biology and how we react to things and things we value and that kind of stuff i mean that that's that's a big piece but that's not everything that we are right. you yeah. know and so you know, getting to a place where you come healthy, where you say, well, you know, yes, that's an important part of who, who I, I am or could be. It's not everything that I am, you know. Right. And, you know, God has such a bigger idea of who we could be and what we were made to do than just this one, this one thing, you know. I'm not just, yeah. I'm not just a man. I'm not just a dad. I'm, I'm a lot of things, you know. And if, and just like I said, anytime people get to, so far, and that's, that's why we see so much struggle today in culture is because, you know, it's the the phrase, you know, identity politics. Mm -hmm. Everything is centered around yeah. what color is your skin? What 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 gender do you think you are? What you know, what oppressed group do you think you are? You know, I mean, it, it's all one thing, and there's so much unhealth unhealthiness in that now because we're yeah. so much more complex. Well, than and that. whenever you're not in the church <clears throat> and you're not, you know, actively learning biblical principles and God's word and you know you've misconstrued the words that come out of the Bible mm -hmm. and one of the ones I did so badly was you're knit together and I would knit you together in your mother's womb mm -hmm. so for the longest time like well why'd you knit me together without parts right. <laughs> you know like if you you knew every intricate part of me and why am I this way and I think a lot of society does that they get so fixated on what these words say in the Bible and if this is God's word and God's word says this then why did he do this to me but there are a lot of factors that come into play. My mom was a smoker. She drank a ton of Mountain Dew. 
Um, and she was actively working. It's I mean, do. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I mean, but I'm, I'm just saying, <clears throat> right. you know, how yeah. that can affect a lot of things. We have no idea. No. Who knows what Satan did in this in the meantime? Well, and even right. in the fall, you know, it just impacted. Right. There was I no mean, birth effects. Yeah, before, yeah. You know, sin entered. Yeah. This is just evidence that we live in a fallen world. You know, yeah. and things don't work mm-hmm. according to what you know how God intended. Not because God couldn't make it that way, but it's because man chose to be that way. And so, um, you know, we. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. and I had to, I had to be in church. I had to read my Bible. I had to pray every single day. I still have to do those things because if I stop at all, if I take a day off, then I start to feel lost again. And, you know, I let those negative thoughts enter my head. And, you know, having four siblings and every single one of them have children, and I start to compare myself, you know. Yeah. I'm, I'm the only one of five kids who cannot have children. I'm right. the only one who, you know, who cannot reproduce and um two of us though were were born with birth defects um his are vastly different than mine but it's like well, i'm not the one with birth defects. i was say <laughs> is it cognitive development <laughs> is that that was diagnosed so you know at that point too i'm just like i don't this is it's weird because you have yeah. five kids and your last two are this way and I'm still the only one who can't have kids. No. Yeah. Like all things aside. I'm well, and I would combat that even, and I know you know this, but you know, when we look at today, you know, um, you're the only one of the five of us that has any type of college education. You just yeah. received your first degree, right? Mm-hmm. Associates in psychology, so. And you're pursuing what? A master's at least yeah. in psychology. Mm-hmm. So just that, that shift from dropping mm-hmm. out, being hopeless to, mm-hmm you know, even pursuing that education, which was something you thought would be unattainable at one point as you've centered your life around Christ and pursued something different, um, you know, that's that's no longer unattainable. It's right. it's a it's an active pursuit, which I have no doubt you'll achieve. Um, you have the the longest, healthiest marriage of, of all of us as well. Um, <laughs> so, and, uh, you know, there's just things that, you know, like you said earlier, you can focus on these negatives, the 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 have-nots, the don'ts, um, but there's just so much health in your life now, and, mm-hmm. and you make such a, a great impact, uh, I know, in our family, and, and but even beyond that, and, and with hopes and dreams of, of just really leaving your mark even in, in the community and, and beyond, which I think you already actively do in a lot of ways. Um, and so it's just a, it's a beautiful picture. Your story is a beautiful picture of, of, oh, God's, of God's grace, mm-hmm. His oh, mercy, sure. His forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, that you know, if we're willing to, to lean into him and pursue him, all of these things that we thought weren't in the cards for us, um, God God moves. And that's when it started. I mean, whenever I was like, I'm done with this life, and I started pursuing Christ, that's when things started changing, and, and good things were falling into place. And it would not have happened. I, I could have been dead in a ditch by now if I wouldn't have done that. Yeah. Well, you know, and the thing, the point that um, needs to be made too, uh, a lot of people miss in and you're illustrating in a great way is that you know our, our faith is a process you know and, and the changing is a process and especially because all those you know the negative stuff that happened uh, a lot of the, the the more extreme negative stuff that happened with you happened in such you know in your formative years right when we're teens and that's when a lot of our identity about ourselves and our feelings about ourselves really kind of get cemented in our brains and so overcoming that is not a thing where we just go I'm going to be a good person now and <laughs> and then it just happens I mean even after living out this life you like you're talking about that you know those those ideas still creep back in and that's mm-hmm. and that's what people need to understand is that you know there's no you may hear about people who you know 
it was just like that. And I, you know, I decided to give it over to God, and now I'm, you know, everything's great. Tag that, with those people. Yeah, I mean, they're like, shut up, you know. I mean, it's like, but uh, uh, that's not the that's not the normal. The normal is is it's an everyday struggle, you know. And people, I, I grew up in the church. I grew up with two parents who were loving and supporting, and I mean, I still struggle to not want to just murder people on a regular basis. I mean, like it's, um, it's it's a process, and so you know. If you are in that place, if you're listening and you're in that place where, you know, maybe you're, you're still in the middle of your whatever it is you're struggling with or maybe you're starting to come out and you're just like, you listen to us talk and, you know, we're always talking about things about how they should be, you know, and, yeah. and, and um, you, you kind of have that veneer of those, those people are perfect and you're like, I can't be that way. Well, just realize we're, we're just further along in the process. You know, we're not perfect. We just, we've just been working through it, you know, and we've. And it's a work. It is. It's. It's. We've, and you put in the work, and you mm -hmm. decide you to, to continue to raise your standards and levels of what you're going to, you know, um, what you're going to live by. And and you know, as you get more into God's word and understand what it means, um, and what it means to have a faith like ours, uh, where you follow, you know, the God of the universe, and this is God. This is what He, you know, wants us to do. And it's like, okay, so this is what this really means on my life, and I'm going to actually start trying to live that out. It, you know that. It, it takes time to get there, it you know, and, and it, and, but it's not always, it's never a finished work, you know, it's not something we've just, you know, three years ago I woke up and I was like, God, done, <laughs> I've got this figured out, you know, and it's, it's always a struggle, you know, but it's just the, the nature of the struggles change and, um, you know, uh, just like leadership, you know, as you, as you become a better leader, you know, it's not that the problems go away. They just get more complicated and you have to, you know, it's just you're more yeah. equipped to deal with them. And that's the way yeah. it is in our faith, too. Yeah. Well, um, I just uh, I want to say thank you for sharing your story, being vulnerable um, today. Welcome. And, and um, it's funny, like uh, 30 minutes before we were recording, I said, hey, you want to come on air and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and share with us? Um, but I'm glad you did. Um, I hope everybody just enjoyed um, today's episode and, and Amanda's um, story and testimony. I applaud you for sitting that close to Aaron for that long and not hitting him. Yeah, yeah it's a struggle real. It's yeah. good. Um, but anyways, man, we're glad grateful. Glad to break up any fights. <laughs> we're grateful that you guys were joining us today. Be sure to, <laughs> to like and share just our, our content online, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, all of that. Check us out on uh, the full audio version, which is the best version, Apple, Google, Spotify. Spotify, wherever you listen to, to your podcast. Um, but if you have any questions, you want to reach out, um, you can email me at Aaron at cedarpoint.church. Um, I would love to hear your questions. If you have any questions from my sister and, and about her story, um, you can do the same. I can definitely put you in contact with her. You can reach out to the church office, 918-283-2221. Um, but we love you guys. We're so grateful that you were here with us today, and we will see you right back here next week.